Welcome to the Ferris Love Shrine podcast, where we share spiritual and practical ideas for how to live family life with a beautiful, self-sacrificing love. In this episode, we're talking with Amanda and Jonathan Texera of Wallet Win, and they're going to talk about Catholic money matters and that kind of a thing. So welcome to both of you. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much, Katie. Yeah, it's a pleasure to uh, be on the show. Yeah, great. So why don't you just start off and tell us a little bit about Wallet Win and all of your background before we kind of dive into some questions today. Sure. So we are accidental personal finance mentors and coaches. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our story began back in 2011 when Jonathan and I were on staff with Focus, Fellowship of Catholic University Students. Mm -hmm. We'd both been on staff for a few years. We were fundraising our income and we ended up getting married. And on our honeymoon, we actually had a money fight about the honeymoon that had been put on a credit card that was the bill was due while we were on the honeymoon. Oh, wow. So <laughs> it was bad. It was <laughs> so bad. Just a bad idea. Not really how we <laughs> wanted to start things off, but we came home and, you know, my obsessed personality was like, we need to know what we have and where it's at and who we owe and what the logins are. You know, so I went on this big like tirade mm-hmm. <laughs> and we ended up realizing you know, in our heads, it was like, oh, I, I, maybe we owe a couple thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. But then it was, um, no, it's like $25,000 on wow. credit cards and student loans. And we were only, our take-home pay as um, missionaries was only about $35,000 a year. So we quickly did the math and realized, well, it looks like if we just stick with the minimum payments, we're kind of just living a really mediocre life for the next decade. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> and that just didn't fly. We wanted to dive in there and learn everything we could about money, eliminate the debt, and actually start making progress towards where we felt like we were called to go. Mm-hmm. So we started our first budget uh, with the new year. So we got married in o- end of October, had a couple months to figure out how bad things were. And then after that, <laughs> uh, decided to clean it up a bit. So we set a stretch goal. We thought if we say we are going to get out of debt in a year, hmm. well, then that's going to probably make us like move real, you know, get real creative, work really hard. And, you know, maybe we'll get out in a year and a half or something. Mm -hmm. So we started budgeting. Uh, We were really bad at it. I think the first, the first month we put what? $60 for groceries for the whole month. So that was, so we had to, to, that was peak naivety. Yeah. We had to move some (laughs) categories around there. Uh, But we started getting better at budgeting. We got creative with how we used our money, with how we saved money. Um, we simplified our life. We sold uh, one of our cars. We sold most of our stuff when we moved. Um, and then we found ourselves out of debt uh, seven and a half months later. Wow. And then uh, it was great. And our fellow missionary friends found out about that and started asking us what they could do, how they could do that too. And we started telling them. And then when we were at missionary training or a conference or something, we would just have a sign-up sheet and our fellow missionaries would like eat lunch with us and talk about their money. That's uh, great. Later on, people came over to our house for dinner and we talked about money. And then uh, we were teaching classes at missionary training. We were at Theology on Tap. And then- So it was kind of a, a yeah. call within a call was born mm-hmm. and it was clear that the Lord was- asking us to step into this. You know, there just wasn't, there was a lot of personal finance from the secular standpoint. There was a lot of 
um, you know, evangelical Christians talking about personal finances, but there just hasn't been a whole lot of mm-hmm. authentically Catholic mm-hmm. formation around money. And so that's yep. when we thought, okay, well, here it is. Let's just step out into this. Uh, and so in 2017, we began Wallowin and haven't looked back. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I'm curious from your perspective, why do you think it is that there isn't a lot of kind of Catholic money people out there talking? Like, what is it about our faith or that kind of the thing that keeps us a little nervous talking finances and money and that kind of a thing? Mm. That's a very interesting question. (laughs) It is. I'd say some of it is, I think a lot of folks don't understand Mm. how much the church has to say about finances and how we're to use them as faithful Catholics. Mm-hmm. We just think, oh, well, I don't, I mean, they might think, oh, I guess, yeah, you, you shouldn't steal. Um, and then maybe give some. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then does, does God really say much more? Mm. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. So um, yeah, there's that element of just ignorance, you know, of mm-hmm. all, if we could go pull, from encyclicals or the lives of the saints, um, even scripture. I mean, there's so much. It's chock full of lessons and wisdom around finances that mm-hmm. just haven't been unpacked. Or, you know, Protestant brothers and sisters have unpacked it, but with their own spin or take on it. And it just kind of wasn't questioned. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yes, that's the correct interpretation of that. But is it really in light of all that we have um, from a Catholic worldview? Not all of it really does line up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's another, an element, um, as Catholics, there's a, there, it can be healthy and it can be unhealthy at the same time, mm-hmm. but, uh, we see it most often manifested as an unhealthy rejection of money because mm-hmm. it's, there's this misunderstanding of it. And, uh, I just, I know that that thing could get me tangled up into all sorts of things I don't want to be tangled into. So it's just better that I don't have any mm. and better that I just don't know a lot and just probably better that I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, then that means I'm safe. But yeah. Yeah, I'm safe if I'm broke. And so I'll just stay this way. Mm-hmm. But really, a lot of times that's – if we really looked at that situation of, of a family maybe just scraping by and scrimping, they might be living terrible stewardship. And God might have a different call for them, but they can't even say yes to it because they're not handling what they have well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, money is amoral, it's neutral, but we know that the enemy of our souls likes to take things that are amoral and neutral and twist them. Mm -hmm. And he's certainly good about that with money because with money comes power and with power comes pride and, you know, so on and so forth. (laughs) You know, the saints, St. Ignatius talks about this, like money is one of the first things that the enemy will try to tempt and lure us away from our Lord with. Mm -hmm. But as long as we know that and we're handling it with virtue and we have a right understanding of it, we don't have to be afraid of it. Just like anything else, like our sexuality Mm -hmm. or food, we just have to know how to think about it and how to interact with it in the right way. And now this is a, could be a powerful tool for our sanctification and the salvation of the world. Sure. So that's, I think that it's, it boils mm. down to a mm-hmm. fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes total sense. I wonder if you, I mean, obviously there's so much you can talk about from encyclicals to the saints to the Bible, but are there some kind of core tenets that you would say kind of 
in that marriage between our faith, the Catholic faith and finances, like core ideas that people should have in mind? I'd say, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, it's a core idea in that probably out of it flow a lot of other ideas and uh, practices and all that. But this idea that we are called to be good stewards, Mm -hmm. that, and that's of everything. We talk about a lot of times we talk about stewardship and unfortunately sometimes that word is just used uh, to like to just to mean money. Like we don't want to say we're fundraising. We're talking about stewardship. Mm. Stewardship is so much <laughs> bigger than that. Yes, yes. It certainly includes our finances. Yes. But we need to be fine. We need to be stewards of our faith, stewards of our family, stewards of our, our time and our talents. And yes, stewards of our finances and our treasure. Mm-hmm. And so by being a good steward, by understanding really what that is, that God has invited us to take care of some of his stuff, mm-hmm. right? Here, here's here's some, some resources. Here's your family. Here's the faith, whatever it is. And I'm trusting you with this. This is the, the Lord of the universe who made everything. And he's asking you, little old you, to be in charge of some of it. And that's a great weight of responsibility. And if we're going to do that, right, we need to want to understand our Lord well and correctly, have a good relationship with him, know the things that he wants for us, right? And that story of the parable of the talents, right? That third guy who buries it in the ground, mm-hmm. well, he's doing that because he doesn't understand the father. He doesn't understand his Lord and what's expected of him and the relationship there and what's really being asked of him. And so we need to know the Lord. We need to know how he'd want us to act. And then we need to, of course, if through that, have our you know well-developed intellect, a strong will, all of that, and then choose to do those things. When it comes down to the moment to actually choose to be a good steward, we see it just, it was just a week or two ago at the readings on Sunday, mm-hmm. the gospel was the dishonest steward. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is holding him up as an example, like what's going on there. Right. And at the end of it, it's, it's, I mean, there's a lot there, but you know, he's ripping people off and he's kind of turning away from that, but that he has this conversion where he's kind of cutting him the his stuff. He's skimming off the top. He's getting rid of that so that he can be uh, received well by these other guys that maybe they'll help him out. Now he's going to be out of luck. Mm-hmm. And he's, Jesus is praising me saying, you we're good, right? We hear in the in the the parable of the talents, like you were faithful in the little things, like you're gonna have authority over much. But in this one, he goes, you know, you, Jesus says, like, if you can handle like the normal stuff, kind of the worldly stuff, like the goods that are here, if you can handle that and you're good with those, mm-hmm. well, then I can trust you with the everlasting, with the e- eternal goods. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a, it's a way for us to show our faithfulness. It's a way for us to to do good in the world. I mean, you know, that soup kitchen isn't going to build itself or, you know, all those groceries aren't just going to show up on the food pantry shelf. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to put them there. Somebody's got to do some of that work and somebody's got to foot the bill. And it needs to be us. It needs to be the faithful to do these good things in the world and all of that has a, a price on it, and it's a price that we definitely can pay if we understand what's going on, what's asked of us, and what's going on with our finances so we know what's available to give. Mm-hmm. That's great. How do you suggest, like when you're mentoring clients and things like that, how do you suggest they kind of discern, I guess, I don't know if level of stewardship is the right way to say mm. it, but like 
what they're supposed to do with their money, how they're supposed to make it, you know, like those kinds of things. Like how do you help them discern and like process through that? Mm, okay. So a few different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'll talk first about earning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually had a podcast episode that we did ourselves on this oh, great. Um, because how do you know what you should be bringing home? Right. And so Jonathan and I, uh, we read about it in a book and it, I felt like there was a really good word that came out. And it was maximum fruitfulness. Mm. Um, and so all of us, that's going to be different, you know, whether you are single or maybe you're married and you've got a ki- one or two kids or you're married and you have 10 kids, that number is going to look really, really different. Okay. Uh, but we all should have that number in mind because two things. One, if we're under earning and we're not earning enough and it's going to show us that, okay, wow, we actually should, we should probably find a way to earn more because our family is suffering terribly here mm-hmm. unnecessarily right? because we're just not being prudent mm-hmm. and making sure we're bringing home enough mm-hmm. uh, to support what, what our family needs. You know, this person maybe is having a mental health struggle and this kid over here has special needs. Like you need the money to support those things. God's not always, he's not, we have plenty of sufferings that we have in our life, but we don't always have to make them harder mm-hmm. <laughs> by not planning prudently, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the suffering will come. Um, but then on the flip side of that, maybe somebody doesn't need everything that they are, that is coming in. And we encourage people, you know, to, if if possible, that 10% giving, tithing is the starting line. Mm-hmm. We view it purely as a starting line. Um, and that Let's say maximum fruitfulness has been met for your family, well, or your household. And so now you actually have more to give. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're called to now give 14% or 20% mm-hmm. uh, of your income. As long as you are living in that space of maximum fruitfulness where the money that is being brought in is supporting you, living your vocation mm-hmm. in in that deep yes that God's asking you to give, mm-hmm. well, that's really all the money any of us need. And so anything above and beyond that can either be given um, Mm -hmm. or go into supporting something else. Uh, But it is important that we know what that number is. Mm -hmm. That makes total sense. But, and I'm sure that's also part of budgeting and knowing all of that as well. Like you can't just be like, oh, like you guys were saying early on, you're like $60 to feed ourselves for the entire month. (laughs) Not possible. Right. Right? That was prudent. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. and but, but putting and spending six thousand dollars on feeding the two of us—that's also wildly imprudent. Right. So we need to know what's that that measure, right? To think of think of it as fruitfulness. We right that image is used a lot uh, in in scripture and all that because it, and because it's a great one, right? If it, the if you don't water the plant, it's going to die. Mm-hmm. And if you overwater it, it's also going to die. Mm-hmm. Right. It needs to be the right amount. So it's like, what's the right amount of money, right? Some of it, you're, this is just, it's just too low. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, that could be true. Some of it just, yeah, we, I don't even know what else we could do with it. Well, all right. Now, right, right. Like the church teaches us when the needs of necessity have been met that for us and, and those under our charge, then Right, the 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 overflow is for others. We we take care of ourselves, for of our family, those we were responsible for, and now we take care of the other ones we're responsible for, those in need. Sure, makes perfect sense. Um, what do you see as some of the kind of major? 
uh, I don't know, downfalls or roadblocks that people have when kind of trying to figure all of this out for their family? Like what are things that kind of, I don't know, that are more difficult or more challenging? Hmm. Well, I would say the biggest one I don't know why you're smiling. I got one. I don't think you're going to say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, mine is going to be that it doesn't come naturally for spouses to get on the same page around this. Mm. Um, a lot of times we'll we'll meet with Catholic married couples and I mean, they're faithful mm-hmm. um, and they just kind of, there's this illusion that the sacrament is just kind of going to make everything fine. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that we don't have to actually go through the practical steps of getting on the same page when it comes to parenting or finances or um, how much we want to give or what we want to what we want to eat, what kind of diet we have in our family. Like those can be huge contentious points sure. in a marriage, even though you're both faithful Catholics. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and grace and nature go together, and so. I just want to encourage couples out there that if if you don't feel like you're totally on the same page with your finances and you feel a little off kilter or disjointed or, you know, one one person's walking through the door with target bags and the other one is casting a stink eye, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> these that it doesn't have to be that way. Mm. And we we teach pe- people how to get on the same page by first assessing what it is that they grew up with in their family of origin. Because sure. unless we understand where we came from, we really can't make progress in moving forward. Mm-hmm. But we first have to understand that. And then we can talk about and dream about our future together. Mm-hmm. And then from that space and that understanding, we can kind of, you know, if we had a financial backpack on, we can kind of unpack the things that aren't helpful, repack the habits that we want. And now we have some united dreams that are pulling us forward together. That makes it a whole lot easier. Mm -hmm. Whereas I see a lot of times, you know, couples will just come to us fighting and irritated with each other and blaming and pointing fingers like she's out of control or he's overspending. And um, they just haven't put the work into getting on the same page. And once they do, all of a sudden the shame and the blames and all of that goes away Mm -hmm. because now they're a team. Sure. What were you going to say? What's I this? mean, it was like yours, I guess. Oh, okay. I'm going to say the husband. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the way. Um, I was in the way for us at the beginning. You thought this would be a good thing for us to figure out. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess. But we can figure it out. We don't need any help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've got a, uh, a number of folks in our Waltwin Academy who – it, you know, it's the wife. Usually it's the wife and the husband's the problem. And he doesn't like the problem, not in that he's overspending necessarily things like that, but just that he's not on board with trying to do something different or get help. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, we're going to, we're going to, I guess I'm going to be the one who's going to budget and I can only do the parts that I, you know, have control over and we'll have to see how that goes. And it's not going to go as certainly not as well as if both of you were there. And so husbands, listening to this, listen to me, you got to do this. You Uh need to step up. Taking care of your family's finances is a vital part of taking care of your family, of loving your wife, of giving your children a good life. It is how you can love them. So cast your pride to the side, (laughs) right? Deflate that ego and let's actually do this thing because it's going to be hard. It's going to, you're not going to like some of it. Mm-hmm. But you're gonna love what happens on the other side, mm-hmm. and what other what what other things in life are the 
like are worth doing and that are really easy and comfortable. This is going to be, this is, <laughs> this is greatness that you're being called to right now and you need to get off your butt and let's do this thing. Nice. All right. I like that. Um, I mean, <laughs> that's good. It's good. Paint the picture though, for what life is like on the other side. Cause you're like, it's worth it. Life on the other side is great. But like, okay, for the pa- parents right now, the families right now that are like, Oh, we have mm. that 25, 50,000, whatever in debt. And like the other side seems unattainable, let alone like not worth trying for. Yeah. So we actually, we teach 12 money milestones and mm. that's what we walk people through. And getting out of debt is actually at the beginning. Mm. Um, it might be number what, four or five? Six. Oh, okay. It's, I guess it's right Smack in the middle. dab in the middle. But there's a lot of life after debt, mm-hmm. you know, so some of those milestones that we encourage people to, to meet and, you know, if they're, if somebody is listening to this and they're still feeling the weight of debt and stress around money, I want you to imagine some of these things being your reality. So imagine creating a budget for the month with money you already have in the bank, not money you hope to have. Mm. So fully being out of paycheck to paycheck. Right there, huge game changer for so right. many. Imagine having six months of living expenses set aside mm. so that if there's a job loss, you're not just one paycheck away from disaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if there's a pandemic, you know, none of us would have <laughs> thought that could have popped up. Yeah. But now we know <laughs> mm-hmm. there could be things. Um, imagine just how you'd sleep at night, just knowing you've got a cushion. Um, imagine being able to to purchase a house and not feel like all you do is eat and live in your house because you purchased the right kind of house for the amount of money you make. Mm-hmm. You're not just feeling suffocated by four walls that suck all of your income dry. I know in some parts of the country that that's more of a pinch for people than others. Um, And then just imagine in general, like being on the same page if you're married with your spouse, um, being an example of good stewardship to your kids, getting to support causes, charities, organizations, your parish um, Mm -hmm. without sweating over it. And uh, just in general, feeling like money is a source of peace instead of anxiety. Mm. So that's that's where that can be your normal. It doesn't have to always feel hard and stressful and certainly there's always going to be seasons where God will kind of sure. invite us to trust him with mm. our money, you know, for the rest of our life that'll happen. But it doesn't have to be like we're on, we're teetering on the brink of disaster. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think that that's his will for us. Um at least not for most people. Mm-hmm. Um and so yeah, I just want people to imagine that there could be something different. So a little, I guess, concrete examples in our in the Texeras' own life. Um, during the pandemic, you know, things were shut down. Um, we got to, we purchased a 1994 vintage Class A RV. Cool. So this was not a lot of money, but we paid cash for it. <laughs> And I think that we've we've averaged about three months on the road every year since then, wow. just kind of out adventuring in mm-hmm. the RV um, because we knew what was going on with our money and we could go ahead and make that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just, you know, it's not always going to be just, oh, in certain lifestyle things like, oh, okay, now they just have money in the bank. It's It's your money's now at work for you and your unique goals and your unique dreams. And those things are being supported. So whatever it is that matters to you, once you're kind of on the other side of debt and your money is actually behaving, you know, for you, it's 
you're going to watch it now just support all these unique things that represent you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and because you have a handle on your money, because you know what's going on with it, you're, you're, you're planning where you're going to spend and all of that, you're going to be a whole lot more efficient with it. So it's mm-hmm. going to go a lot farther and you are mm-hmm. going to be able to, when it does come time, when it does come time to spend, Mm-hmm. You do it without guilt. You do it without second guessing. You're walking back to the car knowing, well, that money we planned on spending on clothes or groceries or whatever mm-hmm. it is. I don't have to second guess if that was supposed to go to the mortgage payment mm-hmm. or if that was supposed to pay for the kid's soccer thing next week. You know because it's already it's already figured out, mm-hmm. right? You can you can stop and get that coffee because you've got it in the restaurants category and you're not, you know, you don't have that Ooh, should I have done this aftertaste when you're sipping it? It's okay. And it allows you to be to be generous, right? Because we we have we're able to cover the bases and now we know when that when that missionary priest is at our, our parish or there's the second collection or whatever it is, those nuns send us a letter. Mm-hmm. We know what we have available to give. Sure. And so generosity does not need to be an, ex- an, an activity that is exclusive to the rich. It certainly shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. It's available to all of us. And we can enter into generosity more deeply when we know what we have available, when we know what's taking care of us, and we know what we have to take care of others. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, I'm curious, what do you see as kind of the most common mistakes people make when budgeting? Mm. Let's sixty dollars for groceries. Let me count that. Yes. Okay. So (laughs) that one right there would be just be a budgeting inappropriate amounts because they just don't know. Yes. Now, what I wish I would have done when we sat down for that first Mm. budget, I should have looked at the last ninety days Mm. of what my spending had looked like, and it would have given me a better picture. Mm -hmm. Um. So there's just under budgeting. Mm -hmm. Then there's just not thinking of all the different categories mm-hmm. that you ought to. So mm-hmm. we act, we every month in our Wallowin Academy, we do something called budget joggers where we help people jog their brain about what, okay, it's December, obviously Christmas, but like, did you think about the holiday party you're hosting? And that thing at work. And mm-hmm. Like we're jogging their brain because sometimes it's these sneaky random once a year things that come up that are seasonal or holiday related that just kind of derail. Sure. <clears throat> or it's, uh, you know, that annual car insurance payment is going to come and we didn't div- divvy it up and save for it throughout all the 12 months. So now when it does come, it totally, you know, wrecks the whole budget. Um, so just not properly funding the different categories correctly. And then I'd say the final one, and this this might be the biggest, mm-hmm. is just not sticking with it long enough to mm-hmm. give it a chance and to learn the new skill. Sure. As adults, and this this frustrates me, I get mad at myself about this, but at least I now have the awareness of it, about we throw tantrums when we're not good at things. Mm-hmm. And we avoid things that make that feel hard mm-hmm. uh, because our brain is designed to keep us at status quo and you know safe. And so anything new or that's changing is threatening to that that primal brain. And so that's what keeps us kind of in s- sabotage mode and mm-hmm. you know staying stuck where we don't necessarily want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, be. But we we get frustrated with that learning curve. 
Whereas if we go back and we, you know, every time we've ever had a baby who's starting to learn how to walk, it pretty much goes the same every time. They stand up, they take a step, they wipe out, injure themselves, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, oh, let me give you a hug. Okay, you got it. Then they stand up and they just do it again Mm -hmm. over and over and over again until within three or four days, you're kind of walking all over the place. And it takes a while to get perfected. You know, even like the two-year-olds are kind of running half sideways because they can't balance and run. <laughs> but if I, adults took this same approach to learning a new skill, every time we learned a new skill, we'd be much more patient with ourselves mm-hmm. and we'd stick with things longer and we'd know that the results are coming. They're mm-hmm. just not going to be felt or seen right away. Sure. And with budgeting, people are so easy to just, oh no, an unexpected expense came up and uh, it wrecked it. Ah, uh, budgeting doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, you, yeah, budgeting just doesn't work. I don't know, and nobody would say you fall over as you know as a kid going. Eh, I don't know, walking's not really made for you. This kid. is overrated. Just stay there. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to walk. That's crazy. Right. But we just need to think. Okay, I ran into some troubles here. Of course, I'm brand new. Right. I'm gonna strike out a few times. I'm not gonna hit a home run every mm-hmm. time I'm at bat. Just starting out. So we need to be a little bit easier on ourselves to understand this is a process. It takes, I don't know, three, maybe four months uh, to just kind of get into that groove, to understand, to get that feel of, oh, yeah, yeah, this is a a normal amount for this category. This is a normal amount for that category. Oh, yeah, we ran out of shampoo. Can't forget shampoo. So it comes over time. And then before you know it, really, it's second nature. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't imagine a life without budgeting because mm-hmm. it unlocks so much else with your finances. Mm-hmm. This is making me think I need to relook at my budget. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh no. Um, okay, so to wrap up our conversation, I would love to have both of you share your like top tip in general that you would be like, oh, I'm going to tell someone this. Mm. Oh my. Oh, come on. (laughs) I mean, it's a, I'll take the boring one, I guess. Uh, Budgeting. You have to know to budget. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how little money you have. That has been entrusted to you. Mm -hmm. And it is your responsibility to use it as well as possible to get the most bang out of those bucks. Mm -hmm. Do to take care of yourself, to take care of your family, to take care of others. That's a, there's a lot going on there. Mm -hmm. And if we're just going to rush into this great responsibility that we've been given blind, Mm -hmm. it's certainly not going to go as well as if we sit down, we plan it out, we understand what needs are going to come up when And then with that full knowledge and a plan in our back pocket, we can move forward step by step, being a good steward, taking care of those needs that come up. So budgeting is key. You need, if if your finances are a mess, you got to be budgeting to get out of the mess. If they're not a mess, you need to be budgeting so they stay that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because there's, you need, if you have a little bit of money, you got to make sure you know you're doing, you're using it well to stretch it out. If you've got a lot of money, there's a lot of responsibility there. So you need to make sure that you're using it well and, and, and planning it out. Mm-hmm. So budgeting all day long, budgeting <laughs> is the foundational habit that will get you to any other financial goal. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, my tip 
gosh, there's so many that I could give, but I think uh, I'm going to share this one, that God wants to be involved Mm. in your finances Mm. and that he wants to make you holy through your money. Mm. Um, Yeah, I just think, yeah, the universal call to holiness is a a common thing thrown around, but a lot of times people think like money is still this thing on the side, but he wants, like it's part of how he's making you holy. And so whatever, I don't know what season you are in financially, but whatever it is, he wants to be right there in the thick of it using the realities that you're in to sanctify you. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes, you know, that's, it's going to look different for all of us, Um, but he wants to be in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, he wants you to learn the skills and the practical ways to handle finances too. But Sometimes he might call you to things that are don't always make sense financially, and sometimes you just have to step out mm-hmm. and give him space and say, Lord, I'm doing the best I can, but you've called me to X, and I don't have the money for it, but hey, I guess you'll have to figure that out, won't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many of the saints have done that, or how many, you know, I think of Mother Angelica, mm-hmm. you know, they-, they are, Commit to something with two pennies. No money. And she's like, it'll happen. <laughs> what? But it yes. did. It always did for her. Yeah. Yes, it did. And so sometimes, you know, we don't want to, we want to help people always be as prudent as possible, but give the spirit room. Cause mm-hmm. sometimes for some of us, he's going to ask us to do bold and completely wild things that have no correlation to the money in our bank account. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just leave room for him and just know that whatever. He's going to relationship he's inviting you to around my money, whether it's to handle much, whether it's to handle kind of a, a medium or a lower amount, or it's to take a vow of poverty. Mm-hmm. He's going to make you holy through that journey. That was beautiful. Great way to, <laughs> to end this conversation and all of that. Um, Amanda and Jonathan, I really appreciate your time and your talents and sharing this with us today. This was great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ferris Love Shrine podcast. If you enjoyed it, we'd love for you to share it with others and then visit us at our website, ferrisloveshrine.org.